Hey everybody, thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message reaches you wherever you are at today in whatever situation you are facing. We pray that the Lord ministers to your life. Hang on till the end, and I want to say a couple more things to you before we're done. Man, would you stand this morning as we read God's Word? If you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. We are in a series called Building God's Way, and um, I want to talk this morning, we've talked about building our family and what it means to allow God to build us and, 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 and the revival that God is doing in our nation right now, how we're building that direction. But today, I just feel like I need to talk about this subject, building others up, building others up. Romans 15, just two verses of scripture. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak. And not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you that your word is sharp and powerful. That your word convicts. That it comes in and it makes a difference in our life. So Father, right now, I just pray that we have the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us today. And then give us holy boldness and courage to live this out. We thank you for this time together. We ask all these things in that beautiful and precious and holy name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people together said, Amen. High five three people and tell them, I'm glad I get to sit by you and you may be seated. A few years ago, something happened during a UCLA basketball game that went on to become viral and become memes. And if you've been on social media, you probably have seen either the video of it happening or a picture of something. But with two minutes left in the game, the center, Moses Brown, threw a pass. They were down by two points, two minutes left. It's very important that they, you know, hand, how they handle the ball, hand, everything going down for these final two minutes. They didn't want to lose. And so he passes the ball. When he does, he makes a bad pass, and it goes out of bounds. So now the other team is going to have the ball, have a chance to score two or three points, go up, whatever. And he's, he's, he literally turns to run down the court to play defense. And as he's running down the court, he is dejected. His head is hanging. His shoulders are slumping. He is feeling dejected that he possibly just made a move that might lose the game for the team. In his mind, that's what he's thinking. If you play sports, you understand it's not one thing that loses everything. But in his mind, he thinks, I just did it and I am dejected. And as he's running down the court, a magical thing takes place. The point guard, by the name of Jalen Hands, runs up beside him. And when he does, he literally grabs the chin of Moses Brown and he lifts it up in the air, saying to him, you keep your head up, you keep your chin up. And he lifts up his head. And listen, they go on. They were down by nine points at one time. They go on to win the game 87 to 84. And I know there was a lot that played into that, but I want you to tell, tell you the most special moment of that game was not just the win. It was when a dejected center named Moses Brown was lifted up 
by a point guard named Jalen Hands who said, you are my brother, we're on the same team, we are in this together, and I am going to lift you up. Listen to me, I believe we were all created for community. I believe God created us to be in community with other people. I believe God created us so that we could be in fellowship with others. We were not created just to do life alone. The Bible says this, God said, let us. That's interesting. God said, let us. Now, we believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that those three are one. But here's the thing. The Bible also says God is love. Now, that's easy to say when we can read the Bible and see that he loved us and he gave his son for us. We can say yes. But do you realize the love of God existed before anything else ever existed? And so how can love exist in a vacuum? When I say I love, it's because it's not just a word, it's an action. So when God is love, how did that work? Because of the Trinity. Because the love that existed between Father, Son, and Spirit and the community that existed between Father, Son, and Spirit has always been there. And so when God says let us make man in our own image, he created us to be in community. He created us to love and to be loved. He created us with this desire inside of us. I don't care how crabby you act. I don't care how much you act like you don't need anybody else. There is something deep down inside of you, if you're honest today, that would say, I recognize I have a need for others in my life. I have been created for community. But here's what's happened the last few years. The enemy has worked in isolation. We had the pandemic that took place, but I believe an even greater pandemic that has taken place in the last few years has been the pandemic of isolation. If I can get everybody alone and by themselves, they'll get in their heads. And this is why we've seen things like suicide rates go up. We've seen things like divorce and abuse and domestic violence and all these things go up. Why? Because what has happened is people have become isolated. They've got to the place where they are alone and they think there is no hope. They think there is nobody else around them. And that is the attack of the enemy. The enemy wants you to think that you are that nobody else is like you, that nobody's been through anything you've been through. The enemy wants you to believe you're the only one that has ever struggled with this. But listen to me. God did not create you to be isolated. God created you to need other people. And I believe when I find other people, I also find my purpose and my destiny. They help unlock the destiny God has in my life. I was not created to do life alone. I was created to sharpen you and for you to sharpen me and for us to be in community together and to do life together. Amen. Amen. And so understanding that, understanding why, listen, my grandmother on my mom's side was born um, around the Atoka Antlers area. My great grandmother's buried in a cemetery right off the highway there. And she moved um, to Tulsa and eventually when my mom was 11 to Denver. So she came from Atoka and Antlers, um, which there's not a whole lot down there. I guess Reba has a place now you can go visit. I haven't been yet, but there's not a whole lot down there. But she goes by way of Tulsa to Denver, Colorado, living with millions of people. But there's one thing she never forgot. And I believe that part of it was a generational thing. She would always want to know who her neighbors were. She wanted to know who lived around her. And it wasn't like she was just Miss Craddock's on Bewitch being nosy. You understand? It was deeper than that. 
She wanted to know who lived there, what they were going through. She was going to grow a garden and she was going to take them vegetables because she would look and see who's around me. Who can I talk to? Who can I spend time with? And my grandmother, we would go every Christmas to Denver and I would walk in. There was a wicker basket there every single year and it had stacks of cards and they were not from the years before. It was from that year. And my grandmother got card after card after card of people she had not seen, some of them since they were little kids but they remembered a lady that took time out of her life to care for them and to look after them. They were neighborhood kids running the streets. My grandmother would invite them in. She would feed them and care about them because she wanted them to know your life matters, that you matter to God and you matter to other people. And she built that sense of community. But most of us in this generation, and I am the most guilty of us all, we go home, we go pull in our garage, we close the door and we run inside with our little family and we're isolated from everyone around us and I want you to know the enemy wants you to keep you isolated because he recognizes if we ever come together and we ever understand unity and we ever understand the power of what God wants to do there is no devil in hell that can stop what God wants to do when we get on the same page Hell is scared of that concept and that revelation because it recognizes if we ever get together. Why? Because one biblical principle, I'm going to teach you two today, but one is this. We will always accomplish more together than by ourselves. I'm from Mississippi, and I'm not very good at math. i got to take my shoes off to count past ten, okay? But I do know this. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight. So my Mississippi math tells me if one can put a thousand to flight, then two can put two thousand. But God's math does not work like my math. Because the Bible actually says this, one can put a thousand and two can put 10,000 to flight. And listen to me, when you get on the same page, that's why the Bible says where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. I've been through some situations. I'm glad God didn't say 20 or 30 are gathered because I didn't have 20 or 30, but I had two or three and we could gather hands and we could begin to pray and we could begin to believe. And listen to me, when we get together, one of us can do some great things, but together we can do exponentially greater than what we, God is a God of multiplication. And when we get together, if you need a business term, it's simply called synergy. It's all coming together and having, but listen to me, it's something spiritual that lasted a long time before some business guy created synergy. It's called unity. It's called togetherness. And when we come together, the power of the Holy Spirit begins to operate in the midst of us. And when it does, we can do more together than we can by ourselves. Amen. I'm preaching way better than you're shouting this morning. That's good stuff. Ephesians chapter 3. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. And we love this verse. I could preach this verse all day long. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. We love that part. We don't ever think about the last part of it. Now unto him that is able abundant. Man, we love it. And I love it too. I could, once again, I could preach about the God of abundance, the God of more than enough. But here's what he says. According to the power that works in us. 
Not just the power that works in me. I believe God is with you even when you're alone, okay? I understand that. I've driven down the road worshiping and felt the presence of God, feel that car, and, and I know God is with us more by ourselves. But I'm telling you, there is something, there is a power that works in us. There is a power that works when we come together with a singular focus, when we come together in unity, when we come together to see God poured out. There is a power, and that power will do exceedingly above abundantly above everything we could even ask or think because it is at work in us and that is what God is doing he is helping us realize here today that he is at work in all of our situations God doesn't leave any of us out he is working in us to do his will in our life amen just a couple vision things that's why connect groups are important I feel like um, it's been very important for us because as we grow, as, as, as David and Sam said earlier, we, we've grown. And as we grow, it is harder. I'm, if you know my personality, I want to know everybody's name. I want to know who your grandmama is, who you're related to, where you're from. I like that kind of stuff. Once again, I, I grew up in Mississippi. I didn't grow up around relatives. I have relatives that attend now. My cousin's right over here in family. I've got relatives that attend, but also I've got other family members. And I didn't know I was connected. They're actually connected to them. They might not even know it. We're all connected. We're all on the Hinkle side. Um, and so we've got family members that I didn't know existed that were here. I love that kind of stuff. And I'll be honest, as the church has grown, that's been difficult for me. Because I can't know everybody's name. And I love this part about our church. We love Rob's Ranch and the Hope Center that comes. But we have people that visit all the time. We've had people from other states come visit family. So we have constantly had people visiting every single Sunday, visiting family. So, and, and, and so it looks like different people all the time. So people will say, well, Pastor, I don't know anybody anymore. You know my answer? I'm the pastor and I don't either. <laughs> because the truth is this. We can't, I, I wish I could know everybody's name. But here's the thing. We can meet together and be connected. And in those meetings, we pray for each other. We do eat. Yesterday on Facebook, somebody said, list some, some uh, characteristics of a good pastor. And I said, must love casseroles. <laughs> but here's the thing. We like to get together and eat and spend time together. But as we began to understand that, it's so much more going on. The Bible says the apostles, when they got together, they broke bread together. They ate together. They shared the word of God together. They got together and they did life. And you are created to realize you need people in your life that know better. Listen, I, there, there, a couple Sundays ago, I knew, I, I was just feeling attacked. And I woke up that morning and I texted some people and I said, meet me in my office before church. I want you to lay hands on me and I want you to pray for me and they prayed over me and I walked in here that day with a holy boldness not because of anything I'd done but because my brothers had laid hands on me and prayed over me and listen to me we need each other we need each other through this and when I understand that we want to be a church that is open to what God wants to do I watched a movie just Friday night and I don't usually always uh, you know um, promote movies or whatever I watched Jesus Revolution and, and uh, I, I personally loved it and the funny part was and um, me and Sarah got tickets I got an email from Greg Laurie, not personally, but just his organization, saying, because you're a pastor, here's some free tickets. So we signed up, and then I found out about 12 couples from the church were going to be there. We have not been to the movies in three years since Benjamin was born. And listen to me, and some of y'all religious people are going to get mad. I'm just going to say it. It's hard to make out with your wife when the kids are there, at the, I mean, when church folks are there at the movie theater. I can't smooch my wife when these church folks are staring at me. I would have picked a different seat if I would have known they were going to be there. But what I loved about the movie was this. 
a pastor opened up a place to people that were different, but they recognized something. If together we can allow these people, listen, to realize the value they have. And listen to me, just because somebody's not like you doesn't mean they don't have value. Matter of fact, you can learn things from people that you never thought you could learn from. And we want to be a church that opens up to what God is doing, what Jesus is doing. We don't want to reject anybody because of what they may look like or where they may come from. And we begin to realize we need each other. No matter, listen to me, What I, I say this all the time here, but I love this. We have people sitting in this room that live in really nice houses and we have people that walk in here off the street and they're homeless and here's the thing when we're sitting by each other and standing by each other you cannot tell the difference we are all one in Christ we have people that are white collar we have white collar blue collar no collar ring around the collar need to buy a collar all those things but here's the thing when we come together and here's what Paul says he says this, when we come together, those that are strong should care for the weak. When we come together, those of us that have known the Lord, our job isn't to sit back and criticize everything, and our job isn't to sit back and say, why are they doing that? Our job is to come alongside to do this. Here's the, another principle. It's actually three, but here's the second one. I want that we are called to build each other up. He goes on to say this, we are called to edification. That's a big theological word. It simply means this in the Greek, to build another person up. It's the image of concrete. That when you pour into a form, concrete into a form, it takes that shape, but it also strengthens, hardens, and it becomes something solid. And what God has called us to do is, listen, we to build people up, we live in a world that is always about tearing people down. I grew up in a, in a culture in Mississippi where everybody picked with each other, and I love that. I, I can joke all day long. I like that. But there's always that line that's crossed because you realize the person is trying to tear you down because they're insecure and they want to build themselves up. So to make themselves look better, they've got to make you look bad. And here's the thing, as Christians, we are not called to tear each other down. We are called to build each other up. The enemy, the, the world operates in tearing people down. We should be the ones that are running alongside and lifting up the heads of our brothers and sisters. We should be pouring into people and building each other up. We should be edifying one another and encouraging. And it doesn't mean just patting somebody on the back and saying, attaboy, you can do it. It literally means to pour into them. So we should be taking the word of God and pouring that into people's life. We should be caring and sharing with each other and allowing God to work so that we are being built up into the body of Christ. And let me let you in on a secret. And sometimes you say, well, pastor, I need to be built up. You always want me to do everything for everybody else. Listen to me. Whenever you walk in this room saying, what can I get out of it? You will leave here empty-handed. But when you walk in this room saying, how can I do what God's called me to do? You will leave here more blessed than you could ever imagine. If you will pour into other people, I promise you, you will get poured into. But as long as you stand here selfishly, you're not going to get anything out of it. But when you get the mentality of, I want to make a difference in somebody else's life. Listen, the Bible says he who has friends must show himself friendly. If you want friends, be friendly. If you, wanna, if you want people to reach out to you, you reach out to others. As we live live this kind of life and understand this, then what happens? We are being built up, others are being built up, and it's all working together. Amen? Amen. Quickly, the, the third principle I want to teach you is this, and I've said this before, but the Lord's just really made this happen lately. What you make happen for others 
God will make happen for you. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. When you feel like, once again, that you are having to, but if you will make it happen for others, God will make it happen for you. Those of you know that our, kind of our vision for statements for this year is to bring in the harvest. We're seeing growth. We're seeing things happen to disciple the harvest. We're working on some of those things to disciple people. And then thirdly, build for the future. Um, obviously, as you can see today, we're out of room. And this is our second service. So we, we had another service before this. We're running out of room. And so I'll be meeting with architects just this next week. But um, we would like to build, possibly if we can, on this property, another sanctuary. We're looking at like $3 million. And the Lord blesses us but we're not the kind of church that can just write a $3 million check anywhere close to it to be able to pay for that. So about a year ago, I was watching a preacher out of Tennessee that I like um, named Kevin Wallace. And I'm watching his service. And when I'm listening to him, he, he said, when we built this building, God had us do something. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me at the same time and said, you need to do this. I'm thinking he's going to say, we begin to save. Okay. So God's saying, you got to build a $3 million building, you need to save. Because that's kind of what, that's what our world says, right? You need to do something, save, save, save. But here's what God said, you need to sow. You need to sow. I want to be like, well, Lord, that don't make sense. We need $3 million. If we give some up, we're like $3 million plus whatever we gave up in the hole. But God said, you need to sow. So then Samantha came to me with our missions trip. We're going to Belize in May, the end of May, the beginning of June. And we're going to do the VBS that we always do and kids stuff. And we got all this stuff planned. But we, we like to do a building project while we're there. And so she said, here's a list of all the building projects we can do. And she listed off, like anybody that comes and talks to somebody that you, you want to get something across, you give them the small things first, right? You don't want to overwhelm them. We could do this project. We could do this. Or... There's one thing we could do. There's a church over there that needs a new sanctuary, just like we do. And so we, we started talking, realizing they have a need, we have a need. She told me the amount. Before I tell you the whole thing, um, I'll just tell you what. I realized we're part of a, a, a conference, and I realized there was money in an account um, for projects overseas that hadn't been touched in a while so I had a meeting and said could we use some of that money for this and so the church came to us I mean the, the, that church over there came to the missionaries and said we need $30,000 to um, be able to build this sanctuary so I came to our board about a week ago and said guys I have a radical idea you followed me for 15 years and some crazy things just just stick with me for a moment I told them the need. First off, several of them said, let's just write them a check for the whole thing. I said, hold up, I can save us a little bit of money, okay? I appreciate your generosity, but I can save us a little bit of money. But what our board agreed and what the conference board agreed is we are sowing $15,000. We don't have to take up an offering. We have the money in our account. We are sowing $15,000 to match the conference. And this year, we are going to build a sanctuary in Belize for a church that needs it. Why? Because we believe what God, what we make happen for others, God will make happen for us. We believe that as we bless, God is going to let it happen here. We believe that as we sow, God is going to, listen, the, the law of sowing and reaping, whatever you sow, that shall you reap. And we believe we are going to reap it here. And so as we're able to make a difference for others, God is going to make it happen for us. We're able to release what God has given us. We've been good stewards of it, but we're able to release that. And because of that, and listen, in your life, you need to begin to love others and bless others, begin to sow seeds of love. You say, I 
don't have a lot of money, you know what? You can sow encouragement all day long. And you know what? On the days you need it, you will receive it. You can sow a lot of things in your life. I had a lady tell me one time when I was in college, by the way, I've done sowing all these seeds. I'm just going to tell you this, okay? When I was in college, I was the one that got asked to move everybody, okay? I mean, I was single. And when you come to my, and a, a teacher looked at me one day and she goes, Justin, when you move, everybody's going to help you. I'm like, why? I didn't know what she's talking about. She said, because you go help everybody move. Well, you know what? I moved here a couple times, and the place filled up. Now, listen, I've already sown those seeds, so if you're moving, don't call me, okay? I got kids. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, in my life, it wasn't monetary, but it was something God did. And I'm telling you this, if you will begin to sow seeds of encouragement, if you will begin to sow seeds of love, if you will begin to reach out, you'll be amazed at the harvest you receive. Amen. If the worship team will join me, I'm almost done. Listen, here's what the Bible also says. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The Old Testament had... The law, Ten Commandments, by the time everything was added to it and man got in there a little bit, 600 and something laws. And you know what Jesus, first he said at the greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two things hang all the law and the prophets. And then Paul comes along and he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You want to do what God's called you to do? Bear somebody's burdens. And here's the thing. I'm a very excitable person. If you get excited, I'll get excited with you. Okay? You jump up and down, I'll be, I don't even know what we're excited about. We're just jumping up and down excited. Okay? I may get in trouble for being excited about it later. I don't know. I'm just celebrating with you. Because whatever it is, that's my personality. But you know what? We're not just called to rejoice with people. We're also called to weep with those that weep. And today... I just felt this so strong as I was praying last night at home that some of you have walked in here today carrying something and in your mind the enemy has lied to you and said you're the only one dealing with this. That today you have a burden on you and you're carrying it. And I believe if you'll allow the Holy Spirit it takes some guts, some courage to get out of your seat but in a few moments if you will come down here, people are going to surround you and pray with you. And I believe you are going to leave here with your head held high. Right now, we're fixing to, maybe not physically, if somebody wants to do that, that's fine. But we're going to pray for you so that your head is lifted up. The Bible says this in Psalms, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, at the King of glory. May come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, mighty in battle. Listen, I believe this. God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. The enemy wants you to walk around dejected like you're the only one, shoulder slumped, head down. But God says this, lift up your heads. That's not arrogance. That's confidence. It's confidence that I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Not because of anything I've done, because my righteousness is his filthy rags, but everything Jesus did 2,000 years ago through the cross and through his resurrection, because of that, I can hold my head up today because I know who I am and I know whose I am. And listen, some of you right now are dejected by life. And God wants you to leave here with your head lifted up. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right now. I want you to bow your head. We're going to have another prayer first. 
Hey everybody, thank you so much. We are so honored that you chose to join us today for this message. And our prayer is for you and your family that you would be uplifted and encouraged. If today you receive Christ or if you would like to give to the vision of Landmark Church, if you would go to our website, www.landmarkchurchok.com, there's more information there, how you can do all of that. And also if you have a prayer request, please let us know how we can be praying for you guys. We love you and hope you have a blessed time.